Welcome to episode three of the Lines Football Show. I'm your host, Lance Cartelli, managing editor of Lines.com, the greatest website on the internet. Joining me today and every week is former NFL player Eric Crocker. Crocky, what's going on? Oh, man, just hanging in there, uh, ready to talk about some uh, betting odds and props and all that good stuff. Love to hear it. Don't forget to check out Crocker's uh, videos on the Lines YouTube page. He just dropped a, a banger about Jimmy G and why the Niners should start Trey Lance. Also joining us is writer for Lines.com, Ian Warden. Ian, how you doing? I'm good, man. I actually just got done celebrating a first down. Um, the clock might have run out about 20 hours ago, but um trying to get my inner Chase Claypool going. <laughs> just uh, keep celebrating. I actually, uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, you know, before we got go into today's games, I wanted to kind of get your guys' thoughts on Chase Claypool in that uh, end of game situation. Ian, you brought it up, so why don't you give us uh, your thoughts real quick? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of reminded me of the um, a couple of years ago when the Raiders uh, made like a sack again. I think like the clips going around Twitter, like they made a sack with like 50 seconds to go against the Chiefs, and there were the dudes that ran like to like the opposite end zone after the sack on Smith, and so they were like the Chiefs were able to like get another snap off, like just like the lack of awareness. Um, I mean. It, it looked kind of worse than what it was. Like, it was a dumb moment, right? Like, he just totally, I don't know what he was thinking, like, totally lost track of the moment. But um, I think it looked worse because Kendricks did a great job of coming behind him and snap, like, smacking the ball out of his hand uh, as the ref was coming up. But uh, I, I was wondering, like, what, why was he yelling at Trey Turner? <laughs> I think that was, like, my biggest question out of all. It's like, yeah, the celebration's dumb. But he, if you see him after the timeout, um, like, why is he yelling at Trey Turner? I don't know. That was that was really funny to me. So it was just a dumb moment. I think it overshadowed just a bad performance from the Steelers. Like, that's not why they lost. It was They had a really tough um, – the odds of them actually coming back and finishing that as a comeback was pretty low. So dumb moment. He's had a couple dumb moments. He's got to kind of get his stuff together. Yeah, the defense was really the issue, but yeah, Dumbo, I love that uh, him and Trey Turner kind of got into it. I think it's because Trey Turner ruined his celebration. He only got to do like 80% of it. Uh, Crocky, what, what, uh, what do you know, think You know, it's that? tough. It's tough. I think, you know, all those situations go into why you kind of play guys young and they go through these situations and you have to learn from it, you know, just like anything else. I'm pretty sure I'd be willing to bet that the next time Chase uh, Claypool is in a situation where the clock is running and they need to spike it, he will not be pointing or celebrating. I can guarantee it won't happen again. Yeah, or else uh, Mike Tomlin might rip his head off. Yeah, and Mike Tomlin doesn't look like someone I want to cross. That's a, that's a really good point. Well, uh, let's let's you know get into today's uh, week. 14 breakdown. We're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to pick our five favorite games this week. Maybe not make it a 90 minute podcast this time. I took your guys' five favorite games. I ranked them how I liked them. So let's start with number five uh, Saints at Jets. Saints are minus five and a half favorites in uh, New York. Uh, Ian, what do you think of this game? Yeah, so this, this one's kind of interesting to me because it's not like especially attractive from like a regular fan perspective like this is a good betting opportunity um more so than a game that i'm actually going to sit and enjoy um but i think there's a good opportunity because that so for here it's like quarterback play isn't probably going to be too great like we can probably go into that and expect that but i like that the saints have alvin Kamara back um i think they're getting a little bit healthier Taysom hill uh looks like he's going to start his fingers should be a little bit better 
I think they might get Marcus Davenport back, um, Ryan Ramchek. Like, this is looking good for the Saints. Like, I think everything for them is starting to trend towards the positive after having so many weeks of just being devastated by injuries. And not that they need it against the Jets, but it's especially two, five and a half at this point for the Saints. Like, I like that. I love that that's actually trending that direction. The Saints still have a good defense, and I don't trust Zach Wilson. I don't trust really much about that Jets offense. Um, they've been so banged up, losing Corey Davis now. Um, C.J. Mosley is questionable in this game. Um, their offensive line is banged up still. Tevin Coleman's out. So I just think Elijah Moore might not play either. He's got that quad injury. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So like, if if they miss Moore, then they really don't have anybody at that point that the the Saints can't handle. I think Moore is the one guy that you'd look at and say he'll give you trouble pretty much no matter what, even though he's a rookie, like he's just on a tear and they, they've kind of figured out how to use him. So if Moore's, even if he's not a hundred percent, if he plays, he's not a hundred percent. Like, I just don't know what the Saints are scared of here. And I think it's a great opportunity. You could see maybe one of those disastrous games from the Jets where it's like the Buffalo game, like 45 to 17, just because things snowball so quickly against these really bad teams. And, and the Saints, they're not anything too impressive. Uh, but I still think that they are a solid team. They're well coached. They're going to attack what they need to attack. And then against a rookie quarterback, it just does not bode well for them. Yeah, what did you think of uh, of Zach Wilson's performance last week? It, it looked to be his – oh, it looks like we lost Ian for a minute. Come back. Why he's figuring that out. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, you look at this, this game, and, and like you guys have touched on, you know, you got the Saints versus the Jets, and you got the Saints five-and-a-half-point favorites, and I'm assuming that the point spread is the way it is because Taysom Hill will likely be playing. Now, the Saints, although they are kind of, you know, the favorites, that's a lot of points for a team that has lost five straight games. And maybe that speaks more volumes to what the league and Vegas thinks about the uh, the New York Jets and maybe how bad they are. But I'm not really confident either way in this one. If I had to give an edge, I definitely would give it to the Saints. Now, Taysom Hill, he's up and down, I believe, in the defense. Like Ian said, the defense can play well. And I believe the defense actually played well enough to beat Dallas last week. But it was the offense that laid a stinker. It was Taysom Hill that turned the ball over four times. I talked about the five straight losses by the Saints. And, you know, Trevor Simeon, he was the quarterback for four of those games. So, I'm assuming the spread is the way it is because of Taysom, Taysom Hill. Even then, I don't feel overly confident with that. The Jets, however, have kind of been up and down as of late, and we know they have you know, a rookie quarterback starting Zach Wilson. Still doesn't put a lot of confidence. I mean, th- this is a really weird game. If I had to put a score on it and a team I'd take, gosh, I- I'd say the Saints, but I'm not really confident with that. But I- I'll-, I'll go Saints. And, you know, uh, 24 to 13. I know that this, okay. the score that I put says that I'm confident, but I just – I don't know how well Zach Wilson is going to play. He's up and down like any other rookie quarterback, but also up and down with not a whole lot of help around him. Yeah, and it's a, it's a tough matchup for him. The Saints might be without Cameron Jordan, who's on the COVID list. So that could be a huge loss for the Saints. But like you guys mentioned, they're getting healthier. They're getting Kamara back. They're going to get Toronto Armstead back. They're going to get Marcus Davenport back. The one thing I am worried about is Taysom Hill's finger, but he's not a huge thrower. So I think you're going to get a really conservative game plan, especially with Deontay Harris, the de facto number one receiver for the Saints uh, suspended. I think you're going to get a really dumbed down performance uh, from the offense. I think the under is what I'm really looking at. 
at the over-under is 43. I think we're going to see a lot of Taysom Hill running, a lot of designed plays for Alvin Kamara, uh, little Mark Ingram, but a low-scoring affair. I've got the Saints covering 20 to 13. Yeah, I think for my score, I think I'd have it similar, like 24 to 10, like somewhere in that range, 21 to 10. Um, definitely an under, like 43. I'm kind of surprised that it's even that high. Um, Lance, I know you're about to ask about Zach Wilson's performance last week. It, I mean, it's better, right, like cumulatively because, I mean, but the bar's really low. And what I'm looking at for him is yards per game per <laughs> pass, uh, pass attempt. He's been under six in all but three games this year. And three of those were his first four games. So, he, I mean, it's just this offense just really can't do much. They don't trust the offensive line, which makes sense. The receivers just haven't been as explosive as what they thought. And some of that, I think a lot of that's on Wilson. I mean, he's a rookie. It's, it might be a big deal. I, I don't want to say it's not a big deal. I'm kind of skeptical on Wilson. I was kind of skeptical on him coming out. Um, it just doesn't really look great for him. And I, I think New Orleans is just a really tough matchup. And um, even at home, that might help him a little bit, but it's not like he's really settled into too much of a rhythm. So, I mean, this, between sacks, interceptions, he just he's going to make those mistakes, and it's and that's okay. I mean, Jets are a bad team; they can't expect much more. Yeah, I I completely agree with you on Zach Wilson. The one thing I definitely think he made progress, which, like you said, it's not really saying much. But he played more in the structure of the offense, which is what I really wanted to see because he's playing so out of structure before and take those checkdowns and everything. But Tough matchup, so I think it's going to be another tough week for Zach Wilson. Let's uh, let's move on to the fourth game, fourth best game of the week: Giants at Chargers. Yeah, for sure. So this one, I mean, obviously we have the Chargers pushing for a playoff spot. I mean, we talked about it last week. I don't know what to make of them any single game. We talked about them against Cincinnati, and we had no idea what to expect. They came out and they destroy Cincinnati. Uh, that was just a, a clinic put on by Justin Herbert. Um, defensively, just much sharper. I mean, Joe Burrow really had nowhere to go um, for large stretches of the game. And, and Burrow overcame with a couple great plays. And then, obviously, the Jamar Chase drop that went for an interception. That kind of changed the game, too. But the Chargers took full advantage. I mean, they, they deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, the Chargers have kind of struggled with turnovers, the turnover battle at certain times. Like, they're not forcing a ton of turnovers um, on the season, which – is never great. Like that's something that needs to kind of change for them to really make that big push into the playoffs and kind of realize their potential. Um, so I'm looking for that this game. I think the big storyline is like Jake Fromm is starting for the Giants. So like what on earth can you expect out of this guy? Is this going to be a Nathan Peterman situation? <laughs> like yeah. I'm, it could be worse, but I do think uh, it sounds like Glennon's progressing through the uh, concussion protocol, so there still is a chance uh, Glennon starts. Okay, yeah, I mean, that would definitely help the Giants. I would keep a close eye on that. Um, that I mean, that makes a decent difference, but I mean, as, as Kroc kind of talked about last week and we saw with, against Miami, it's not like Glennon is functional. Uh, he's he's really just a stopgap, but I think the difference is between catastrophically bad, which is from, I mean, he doesn't have an NFL arm. I was really low on him coming out the draft, and for good reason, I think, like he's bounced around for, you know, just because of that reason, he just doesn't really have the physical skill set to succeed. Glennon can do a little bit more, but he's still going to make mistakes. Um, Chargers, I want to see them kind of be aggressive this week and really take this game by the by the horns and really, you know, drive a point home. Uh, Joey Bosa is looking like he's probable, so that's great. Um, Asante Samuel coming back from a concussion too. Uh, if he plays, that's just another playmaker on the defense. Overall, though, I just think the Chargers is a ten point line, which is a lot. That swelled. It was seven and a half when it opened, but I still think that they can cover that. It's a lot of points, but 
You're also getting the Giants going out to the West Coast. So overall, I like the Chargers in this one. I don't I don't think it's gonna be close. I mean, this could be like a thirty-one to seven to or ten type of game. Yeah, especially because you're either getting Glennon, who didn't practice all week, or you're getting Fromm, who's never started and somehow beat out Justin Fields at Georgia, which is still crazy to me. Crocker, what do you what do you think of this game? Yeah, you know, you look at this game and and I know one of my uh, notes where and I didn't have a whole lot of notes on this game, but it says Chargers will win by ten plus. You know, you look at the Chargers <laughs> and their offense and what they've been able to do. The one thing about the Giants, they they've been able to keep some of these games close. You look at the game against Kansas City. Right. That ended up being kind of a good game, right? They look at how they competed against New Orleans. One, uh, New Orleans won in overtime, but they kept those games close, and that's the only thing that kind of has me on edge with the 10-point uh, spread. But I think more times than not, man, when you look at the, the G-Man and kind of what's going on with their offense and who they have playing quarterback, I, I mean, you guys touched on it with the quarterbacks that they have, and, I mean, if they have to play Jake Fromm, that's just not ideal, especially against the NFL defense. Now, when you play at Georgia – and you have a massive offensive line, and you can lean on running backs like, you know, uh, you got DeAndre Swift, you got Sonny Michelle, you have uh, Nick Chubb, and you can turn around and hand the ball off to those guys. That's one thing. But you're not getting away with that in the NFL. So from his limitations will definitely show if he has to play. And against the Chargers, I'm not liking it. We'll see what happens with Nick Bosa. I saw him leave the uh, game early last week. But – I'm just, I just don't think there's enough there with the Giants. They're bad enough with Daniel Jones. And now if you are regressing at the quarterback position from even what Daniel Jones was, I just think it's too tough to win games like that. So I'm definitely going to Chargers, and, and we all have seen their ability to really put up points and put them up in a hurry. I, I don't want to dismiss the Giants' defense and how well they are able to play at times, but with how much they're going to be on the field this game, I just don't think that ends well for them either. So the, the defense is going to actually kind of do bad by default just because the offense won't be able to move the ball consistently. So I'm definitely going with the Chargers in this game, and I, I don't think it's going to be close either. I'll go with this game 31-10. Okay, that uh, that makes sense. I also have uh, the Chargers covering, but a couple things that really popped up to me. It's a big line, the 10 points like Ian mentioned. And the Chargers don't really have a home field advantage, so there could be a lot of Giants fans, even though um, the Giants are bad and almost unwatchable. So that could play into it. And then the Chargers could be shorthanded. They might not have Keenan Allen. They might not have Mike Williams, even though they're uh, a lot more confident in that. Does that change the equation? If both their starting receivers are out, are you still taking the Chargers with those 10 points? What do you say, Crocky? Ooh, yeah, I mean, obviously, that, that definitely makes it tough. But, you know, the, the Chargers have some young receivers that have been around. You know, look at guys like Guyton. You look at uh, Hill from Ohio State. And then, I mean, just what Austin – Could be a could be a Josh Palmer game, too, the rookie. Right, Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. And then, you know, what uh, uh, Austin Eckler, you know, what he's been able to do, not just in the run game, but as a pass-catching running back as well. So, I think there's definitely enough to really help. And, you know, and not to dismiss anything that uh, Williams or Keenan Allen has done, but Guyton – you know, now it might give them more incentive to push the ball down the field with him. Who He's a legit deep ball threat. So, I mean, obviously, you take a step down a little bit by not having guys like Williams or, you know, Allen if they aren't able to play. But I still think they have enough in place right now at the receiver position to still do well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still taking the Chargers. What do you, what do you think, Ian? It is a good concern because the Giants defense, Kark mentioned, like they, they can keep things close certain games. You just kind of just don't know when those games are coming. I am excited to see some of these young receivers, though. I wish this offense would open up a little bit. 
Um, some of these guys were really good in college. And like, I know that doesn't always mean everything in the NFL. Like there's a big gap there athletically, but you know, Hill was really good at Ohio state when they're leading all time receivers. Like Palmer was dynamic, good, big body. Like he can run routes. He's smooth, kind of an explosive guy downfield. Like, I just want to see them give these guys a chance. This might be the perfect time for them to kind of unearth like a more consistent contributor that they don't normally feature um, because the offense does so many two receiver sets. Um, it doesn't really make it a point to expand beyond that. I, I hope that they try some new stuff this week. I think this is a good time to get these young guys involved. Uh, I still like them to cover. It, it temp- you know, you're always kind of hesitant at 10 points, even if it's the best team in the league and the worst team because the NFL is like that. Um, but I think that the hopefully that the jet lag a little bit will bother the, the Giants as well. Yeah, and even I like I think this is another game I think the under is a really good bet 43. This is a game if the Chargers score in the 20s are the Giants even going to get into double digits? That's why I still like that 10 point spread. And then I also think a little dynasty watch. I think Josh right. Palmer's a guy definitely on my radar cuz Mike Williams no guarantee he's coming back there next year. Keenan Allen is almost 30. So there I, I definitely want to see Guyton and, and Josh Palmer and if Palmer hits he was a third round pick he could be a guy that steps into the mike williams role potentially a you know a number one receiver with a guy like herbert that's what you want in dynasty so uh, i really want to see that i really want to see if they uh, unleash herbert again that last week it's cut like they realized hey he is really good at throwing the ball deep let's do that and so let's keep that going i really want to see that <laughs> yeah Let's uh, let's move on to game number three. Then uh, we've got Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Football Team. Crocky. All right, here we go. Got some notes here. Uh, you got Cowboys against Washington. You got the spread at four. Is that where you have the spread at four in favor of the Cowboys? Uh, last I saw, four and a half. Okay, four and a half for Dallas. All right, now with Dallas, they've kind of feasted on the week. All right, even you, you look at last week, and we talked about their offense. The Cowboys' offense is supposed to be this explosive, high-powered offense, and early on it was looking like that. But if you kind of pay attention to how they've been playing lately, unless it's just a team that they're just so much better than, it's really hit and miss. We're talking about a team that could not score against Kansas City. Really, last week, if it weren't for four interceptions just by their defense alone, I think they would have really struggled to put up points there. They actually had a pick six by one of their linemen in that game. The offense has been so hit and miss. When you have an offense like that going up against a Washington team, and again, I don't want to say that the Washington football team offense is just so high-powered, but I think Heineke is definitely, uh, you know, he looks like he's getting more and more comfortable at the more he plays. You look at how they've been leaning on the run game with Gibson, and he's been doing a terrific job, and they've been sprinkling in, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, McKissick. All right. And then obviously they have Terry McLaurin. He's a tremendous receiver. And the more they kind of build that rapport, I see him doing well. I don't think this is a game where the Cowboys offense can just not play well. Like what we've seen from them lately, really being up and down, really being inconsistent. I think a lot of that kind of is on Dak Prescott's shoulders and how he's playing. I think the Washington football team has a solid defense. I think, you know, obviously not having Chase Young right now, that, that's going to hurt any team. You know, not having one of the guys that are more talented, even though his uh, production wasn't as great at the time of his injury, but still not having just that game-breaking ability off of the edge. I still look at this game, and, man, I mean, the Washington football team, they're on a four-game winning streak right now. They beat some solid teams. You look at them, the win against Tampa Bay. That's tremendous for them. Carolina, that's solid. Seattle, that's solid. And Seattle, 
I know their record says that they're really bad, but they're losing one. They're losing games by like one point. And a lot of those games, they also didn't have Russell Wilson. It didn't also uh, Washington beat Vegas. So when I look at a lot of what they've done and them being the home team, but the Cowboys are favored by four and a half. I, I got it. I have to take. I got to take Washington in this football game. Interesting. Okay, you're taking them straight up. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna take them straight up, but I'm definitely taking the points. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, what do you? Yeah, think? this is a tough one. Like for all those reasons, like you look at the the numbers for Dallas, it's just like they're not what I want them to be, and I don't know why. Like I don't know why offensively. They're they're just having these weird problems, right? Like they're just they can't get it together. And like I thought, Kellen Moore had this unit rolling early in the year, and then all of a sudden it's just it's just hit or miss. But these are two good teams to bet on. Like over the last year or so, Dallas is twelve and four against the spread in their last sixteen games. Washington, obviously, um, they're on that hot streak. They're they've gone four and one against the spread in their own right. So I mean, this is like one of those things where it's like you're looking at the trends and looking at the the health report. Like the injuries, what kind of is swaying me is that Washington, you know, losing um, Thomas, their tight end for the year, Logan Thomas, like that's that's a blow. Like that really hurts that offense a lot. He's such a good threat. I think that he would have stretched the Dallas defense and the safety play. It would have kept them a little bit more honest. Um, it's also going to hurt, I think, with um, Montez Sweat being out with the COVID. Like that was another big blow with having Chase Young out. Like to right. me, like yep. the combination of those two things, it's like you start whittling down on Washington. And we just talk about like, the margin for error for them is just so small at some point. Like they don't have the playmaking, a consistent playmaking that they're used to. Um, I was kind of delving into the trends into these um, two teams over the last couple of matchups because did a piece for um, specials, uh, weekly specials today over at Lines. And there's a special available where it's like Dak Prescott uh, passing yards plus um, Antonio Gibson running yards was like over 360 or something. Gibson's last two games against the uh, Cowboys. I think he was over like 120 both games. Like he was, oh, you know, he's got four touchdowns in his last two games against Dallas. Like if they can get that type of rushing production in this game, Washington can absolutely win. Like they can definitely steal this game. So the question for Dallas is like, you know, Mika Parsons is a little bit banged up with the hip injury. Uh, can they force Washington into predictable situations? Can they get a couple of turnovers out of Taylor Hineke? If they do, you know, then yeah, then they should easily cover, but those are big ifs that they haven't really proven over the last couple of weeks. We did their Jekyll and Hyde. It's tough. I'm taking Dallas because of the injuries. Like if it wasn't for sweat and Thomas being out to me, that's a difference maker. I don't love this game though. Like to be honest, I, I don't love it because I don't have confidence in Dallas. Like if there is, if Dallas is as good as what they can be, I think it's a, it's a great game. They cover, you know, 27, 20 type of game right now. I, I would look at this as like, I'm going to pick them to cover. So I'm going to, you know, pick her, pick it by like a razor's edge, like 24 to 17, you know, but this is going to be too close for comfort. I think for a lot of betters, if they pick that Dallas. I'll, I'll go. So I'll go sounds Dallas, like, you, go ahead. Eric. I'll go Dallas with the win 23 to 20. Okay. So it sounds like you both kind of say, stay away from this game. Betting wise. I, I, uh, I'm going to agree with, uh, Ian on this one. I think the Cowboys do cover. I think, uh, I think it's a really tough game to kind of decipher because you don't know which Cowboys team is going to show up. It kind of reminds me of like a rich man, Seattle. I think eventually they're going to kind of figure it out. You just trust the quarterback in this one. I also think the Cowboys defense, despite Parsons having that hip injury, they're getting Randy Gregory back. They're getting Neville Gallimore back. That front seven, I think is going to be 
going to be coming. I think they're going to be humming and they're going to make life difficult for Heineke who, you know, he's playing better, but he's still just a high end backup to me. Uh, I love the, the special bet that Ian was talking about. Uh, Gibson's had 23 plus rushing attempts in three out of his last four games. The one thing that worries me is say the Cowboys go out to a 14 0 lead, you know, really quick. Will that game script kind of kill Gibson's fantasy value and, you know, this workhorse that he's become. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think uh, Cowboys will come out quick? Do you think uh, it'll be one of those close games where they just kind of feed Gibson this whole time? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's a knockdown, drag-out type of fight. It's a divisional I mean, game, too. I don't want to overlook that. Um, that stuff that usually does come into play, especially right. this time of year, um, as the weather gets a little bit iffier, um, especially in Washington. Yeah, I, if Dallas was hot, I could definitely see that. But I do think this is like Washington has to go. Like It's Ron Rivera, right? So he has to know going into this, I've got to bleed the clock a little bit, play a little bit of keep away, take a little bit off of my quarterback. Like right. I'm with you on Heineke. Like, I don't think he is playing better, but I still don't think you can trust him. And I, you know, he's kind of due for one of those games where it just totally implodes because he's not a great quarterback. So like, that's what happens to average and worse quarterbacks is you, you have a two or three, four interception game and you just don't know when it's coming. So if I'm them, I'm putting this in my star's hand as much as I can. And, and yeah, like you said, 20 plus carries, easy decision. Like you, you have to do whatever it takes to keep Dallas from jumping out to an early lead. Yeah, I think the divisional uh, point is a good one. So if the Cowboys win this game, they're up three games and they pretty much have locked up the division. But if they lose, Washington's within one game and then owns tiebreakers since this is the first time these guys have played. I think that's going to play into this. Division games are always weird. I actually like the over in this. I just think both offenses are going to come out firing. I got uh, Cowboys winning a close one, 31-26. Yeah, but slightly covering. Man, yeah, I'm score gummy yeah, maybe. It just it's it's gonna be a good one. I just can't trust Dallas right now. And I think right now what they're kind of living off of is what people think they're supposed to be in theory. And I don't think they're that. Especially on the defensive side of the ball, which came out playing really fast. But obviously they gave up a ton of points against Tampa. And that's you you get that. Okay, whatever. But even then, I mean, you have Trevon Diggs who's playing good football in the sense of taking the ball away. And maybe he can hurt Henneke in that aspect. But if he doesn't, I mean, he gives up more yards than any corner in the NFL. So you have that aspect of it. Yeah, I got a, I got a question for you, Crocky. Yeah. Uh, McLaurin versus Diggs, who has the advantage? Uh, I mean, I, uh, McLaurin. I, but listen, I think receivers always have the edge <laughs> just because of the way that the game is. And, <laughs> you know, um, Diggs has always also been, you know, called for a good amount of penalties as well, uh, as well as Anthony Brown. He's been flagged quite a few times. I believe it was four times against the Raiders just a couple of weeks ago on Thanksgiving night. So, you know, you have to factor that in as well. You know, this is a secondary that looks like it's playing a little bit more aggressive and getting called for more penalties while also giving up more big plays. I just all those things start to point in Washington's favor. Yeah, and they're the more desperate team, so I, I definitely can see that happening. I mean, desperate, but they're on a four-game winning streak. I think we're kind of brushing that off a little bit. Four-game winning streak, they beat Tampa. That's a really good team. They beat Vegas. I believe it was in Vegas. Like, that's a good win. You're playing at home. Like, I, I, I think we're kind of sleeping on them just a little bit of what maybe they are right now. Like, if I were to say this was 
I don't know, any other team, right? If you just say, okay, four-game winning streak with how they're winning, the teams that they've built, you would say, oh, that's a good team, and they should be favored at home against the Cowboys. But, you know, we're talking about, like, different reasons as to why the Cowboys should win. I mean, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, and uh, Dynasty Watch 2.0, uh, Logan Thomas out. I, I still like Ricky Seals-Jones, but watch out for rookie John Bates. Good stash, especially in tight end premium leagues. Let's move on to uh, game number two, second best game of the week. Something near and dear to Crocky and I's heart, the 49ers at the Bengals. This line's moved a lot. It started Cincinnati minus one. I've seen it now as San Francisco minus one and a half on the road. Uh, Crocky, what do, you, what do you think of this? Man, well, both of these teams have been – they have a few things in common right now. They're both banged up. Or you have you know injuries on both sides of the ball, whether it's you know your quarterback – Joe Burrow, who kind of hurt his finger early in the game through multiple interceptions. You have Joe Mixon. They're saying that he's a game-time decision. You know, you look at the 49ers side of things, and you look at uh, Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel. You know, they're out. Emmanuel Mosley, he's not going to be playing. You know, so both of these teams are banged up. Another thing these teams have in common, they're both really inconsistent. You know, like you don't know which team is going to show up from week to week. You know, this is the same Bengals team that that got 400 plus passing yards put up on them by Mike White. <laughs> you know, so you know Jets legend. So you know, with with these teams, they're coming in. You know, the records are. Look at that; they're comparable. I mean, everything about these teams is similar. But the one thing that I can kind of hang my hat on, or one thing that I don't want to say, you know, is if I'm curious about it, whatever, but the 49ers are actually a good team when they play disciplined football, you know, and that's a tough thing with the 49ers and, and that, and that leads that's to rare, the inconsistencies, right? Like the 49ers are six and six because they don't play that disciplined brand of football, but when they do, they can beat anybody in the NFL. When I look at this team player for player on both sides of the ball, I still kind of lean a little bit more towards the 49ers in a sense of what I'm like just comfortable with and guys I feel like I know what I'm going to get out of them. You know, you look at Cincinnati and, you know, I've been doing uh, these over-unders for line sports and I had to kind of stay away from Jamar Chase because the last five games he's been under 50 yards receiving. And then you look at it on the other side of the ball with the 49ers, okay, you got Emmanuel Mosley out, but 49ers pass defense one is they're number five in the NFL as far as passing yards per game. Uh, I believe it was uh, passing yards per play. They're one of the top teams uh, defensive in the league and coverages from that standpoint. They're not giving up the big plays. So if the 49ers continue to limit the big shots, I think that may potentially kind of slow down Jamar Chase a little bit. And if that's the case, okay, now you have to try to dink and dunk down the field. I don't know if they want to win like that because their success has come more from the big plays from a Jamar Chase or from a T. Higgins. So if they can't get that and they have a running back that's kind of limited, with uh, Joe Mixon, he's not 100% healthy. I think this game kind of favors the 49ers and the spread, which is right now 49ers minus one, uh, one and a half. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about that Mosley injury. That's To me, that's a killer for them. He's their one corner you can really trust. So is there anybody like is there anybody else to trust? Can they slow down Boyd, Higgins, and Jamar Chase? Do they have any hope? Yeah, I mean, I think most people will tell you, no, I'll say this. It can't strike at any time, right? Like at any time in this game, Jamar Chase can have a big play or Higgins can have a big play. I think for the Bengals, it's how consistent will that be? 
right? And with the 49ers defense, you know, it might happen at one time or another with Josh Norman, and there might be a flag. And maybe that leads to 14 points. And then maybe you have another good drive so you get a field goal out of it and you have 17. Will 17 points be enough to beat the 49ers? And and so that's the that's the I, yeah, I don't think I, I don't so. think so either. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ian, what do you think? Yeah, this this was a tough one. And, you know, I'm kind of with you guys. You know, Cincinnati had jumped on early, but then we saw Joe Burrow practice, T. Higgins practice, Joe Mixon practice. So this line moved a lot, I think, in anticipation that one or all of those guys would miss this. Um, But what what worries me for Cincinnati is Riley Reef, ankle injury. Uh, Center, Trey Hopkins, knee injury. Questionable, both of them. This is not the defense that you really want to tip offensive line on a line that's already not great. Um, as good as the Cincinnati receiving options are, the playmakers are, I mean, you guys hit it. Like, this team doesn't fully maximize them every week. We don't know what we're getting from them. That Burrow finger injury was gross. I was watching that live last week when that happened, and they just kept showing it. And I was just like, why, why? we don't need to keep seeing it. It's just it, it's just a little out of, you know, I don't need to see it all the time. <laughs> like, it doesn't gross me out too much, but it's just, it just starts making my own hand hurt. Um, I think you guys hit it well. I mean, San Francisco, this team just, they compensate. They continually compensate well uh, for injuries, for lack of talent in certain positions. On paper, yeah, Josh Norman should get destroyed this game. But, I mean, Croc mentioned it. Like, they continue to solve their own problems with, with answers that are just unexpected and having, like, that good of a pass defense. Some of that's just because their pass rush. Their pass rush is good. Nick Bosa is playing great football. I don't know how on earth the Bengals are going to block him. I, I don't see any really fungible way outside of like chip blocking and throwing like a, another back on that side, like consistently, like they just have to continually uh, allocate resources to him. And that's going to be a problem. So it just opens up everyone else. So yeah, if I could trust Cincinnati, if I could trust that talent, but we can't, they're a young team. They're still figuring it out. It's a really young coaching staff and, I think that's something important to note that like Zach Taylor is still trying to figure this out. And I, I think this is one of those games where he kind of gets coached um, into the ground and uh, with two and a half to, to Cincinnati, I like San Francisco. I probably like San Francisco money line um, at this point, get that extra value. I, I do think they'll actually win this one outright. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a close one. This is the one that was tough for me as well. Uh, I just, I think the two differences are like you mentioned the coaching staff, Shanahan, despite his ups and downs, is just a much better coach than uh, Zach Taylor. And then I think the defenses are the difference. I don't see the Bengals getting a pass rush at all. Trey Hendrickson's their only real legitimate pass rusher right now. And I think that Niners offensive line is just going to dominate them. Even without Elijah Mitchell, probably without Debo, I still, you know, I called it last week. I'm going to call it again. I think it's going to be another big George Kittle game. Um, The one worry is Jimmy G versus Burrow. Burrow is a much better quarterback. But I do think that mangled finger could be more of an equalizer. So I'm going to take the Niners, but not to cover the one and a half. I got them winning 28-27. Oh, I, I have the 49ers winning, man. Pretty, winning pretty convincingly. I, I, I'm taking the 49ers 27-7. I'd say like 24-21. I think it'd be pretty close. Um, just the lack of the upside for the 49ers is there still for me. Um, it's a great call on Kittle last week. I mean, I, I agree. I think he's going to be a difference maker again. I mean, he has to be like San Francisco has no other option and there's really no one on that Bengals defense to stop him. Like basically anyone, even with the personnel to stop him, they still don't stop him because the scheme and Kittle's just that good. But especially like that, that defense is really lacking someone who can go one-to-one uh, with such a dynamic talent. So I think it'll be close. Um, 
and I also don't want to overlook that this is, you know, another West Coast, East, you know, kind of Midwest team, big travel dif- distance, kind of a strange matchup. So kind of a slower, slower pace game. Yeah, the one thing that is, uh, you know, a silver lining for them traveling to the East Coast is it's a afternoon game. It's not a morning game. Although Shannon's teams do pretty much play well on those East Coast trips, I think that definitely helps them a little bit. Let's uh, let's move on to the best game of the week. Let's stay in the NFC West. Rams at Cardinals on Monday Night Football. Uh, Crocky, what do you think? Whew. All right, here we go. Let's pull up my notes for that game. And it is oh, – I'm looking for it. Where did I put that game at? Take your time. All right. All right, here we go. Rams against Cardinals. All right, the spread is at – do you have it at two and a half? Yeah, Arizona two and a half. All right, here we go. So Rams, they are an interesting team because they just were coming off of a three-game losing streak, and then finally they got a win against Jacksonville, which it seems like that's the get-back-on-track game, especially for the NFC West opponents. So that was their game, but this is a team who I believe only has one win against a team that's plus 500. And you have the different dynamics going on. Stafford lost Robert Woods. They're trying to insert Odell Beckham into the offense. You know, how is, how is that continuity coming along? Uh, they already played the uh, Cardinals as well. You have the Rams on the road in this game. <sighs> There's a lot of question marks on, on, on from that aspect. And then you look at it from the Cardinals. The Cardinals, they have some pretty convincing wins, right? They have two losses on the year. One loss was with Colt McCoy. Another loss was when... You have your quarterback, Kyler Murray. He has like a high ankle sprain. He's trying to figure out the game. And then you have A.J. Green just turned the wrong way. That was a lo- close loss against the Green Bay Packers. I just think that, you know, the Cardinals being healthier right now, I believe they're kind of going to be firing on all cylinders. I think that was a good game last week for Kyler Murray to kind of get his feet back underneath himself and get back in the swing of things after missing a few weeks. But I, I have the Cardinals winning this one, and I'm really surprised that the Cardinals at home are only two and a half point favorites in this game because of the la- the Rams' lack of really wins against quality opponents, where the Cardinals have been pretty much dominating throughout this year. So I- I'm going with the Cards. I'm going with the Cards convincingly. You know, I think the Cardinals win this game, 28-23. Yeah, I thought the line was really interesting. Home at two and a half against. A- the Rams and the Cardinals have been a much better team all season. So I definitely think uh, Vegas is up to something on that one. Ian, what do you think of this game? Yeah, it's, it's suspicious, right? And even on a couple books, I've seen it where Arizona's minus one. And I, I don't understand it. Like, wow, this has been a weird season. Like, and some part of me is like, okay, like this only makes sense that Arizona would win this game. But then it's like, well, 2021 NFL season has been bonkers. Like, Rams will come out and just destroy them for, for no real like logical reason. It's just going to happen. Like the stars align and they just, you know, truck them. But I mean, logically that it's, it doesn't seem like any reason to believe that like the, the 49 or I'm sorry, that the Rams have given us no reason to really believe that. Um, Crock mentioned, like they didn't really make changes after their bye week the Packers game and their loss, like offense really couldn't get it going. The defense was still just awful against the pass. Uh, yeah, it's great that they beat the Jaguars last week, but that's it's nothing. I mean, notable. Like, if they made changes, it, it doesn't really matter because the competition's so much higher this week. Um, we can't take much away from that game. So Arizona, like you said, at Arizona, it's just it's just a strange game. Like, I don't really see where the Rams suddenly improve just out of their own 
realization that they need to be a different team than what they've shown over the last month. And it's hard to ask that out of a team that has um, a roster that's so star heavy. You know, it's like, it's not like they can really rely on those depth guys or those middle tier starters to all of a sudden like take a huge leap up if they do great, but that's random occurrence. Like that's not going to be any type of sustained thing that we've seen over the course of the season. It's either there. And this is the Rams formula, right? Like this is how they constructed their roster, which I love that they went for it. It's unique. No one else is really doing this, but they need superhero performances to win. That means Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford has to, you know, cut his mistakes out. They have to get a lot out of Odell Beckham, who's banged up. Like, it's a lot to ask of guys that either are new to the team or they really haven't shown a whole lot recently. Um, or it's just, it's not one against 11, right? Like, we can't expect one against 11 to really work against Arizona. Arizona's too good. So, uh, I like Arizona. I mean, two and a half points to me is, is shocking. I kind of thought this would be like a four and a half five-point line um, I would really start to think about it at that at that type of line uh, but yeah I'm looking at this probably um, Arizona 30 um, Rams 24 uh, maybe even like 21 I, it'll be a good game but it, I don't think it's going to necessarily be uh, a, a game that swings a lot of opinions on the Rams yeah we're all agreeing on this which means the Rams will probably win straight up so but uh yeah it's suspicious to me uh so I thought you made a great point, Ian, about the Jaguars game. You really can't take much from it. Are we still, you know, worried about Matthew Stafford? Can he still kind of get it together and get back in that MVP race? When- yeah, I, I've always been kind of skeptical about him. So uh, this kind of downturn for him, it's not all on him. Like, I want to be fair, Robert Woods is a huge loss. That offensive line, like, they didn't build this line well. They made the decision, um, I think it was like 2017, 2018 offseason, where they were like, we're going to go all in on stars. We're going to let some of our depth pieces go. And instead of building in the trenches and building through the draft, we're going to move for these stars and just go with that approach. And that really hurt the offensive line. We saw Jared Goff uh, get a lot worse very quickly because he needs an excellent offensive line. I think Matthew Stafford needs a really good line too. Like he's not a super accurate guy. Uh, His mechanics fail him a lot because he relies on that arm strength. And he's, yeah, he did great to start the season and he can get on track like at any moment because that's Sean McVay. That's this offense. Like they, they're sharp enough to kind of figure it out, but I still don't think Stafford's like an elite guy. And so even in like an upper echelon type of quarterback, like he's going to have these stretches where it's just rough, where if everything's not great, he's rough. Yeah, he's, he's exactly, just so exactly. And now you have poor offensive line depth. You're facing the Cardinals who bring a lot of pressure. They have a really young secondary who's worked extraordinarily well together. Like I thought this was like the worst secondary or maybe not secondary because of Budabek, but like at least cornerback room. I thought this was like the worst group in the NFL entering the season. And they have a bunch of 25 and younger kids falling out. Like, I don't know. that. And one old guy, Robert Alford has been amazing this season. Yeah. Like who would have thought that two years ago, that Desmond Trufant yeah. would have been the guy who is basically an unknown at this point in his career. And it's Robert Alford, who is, I mean, who's always been a good corner, but like that he's the better one between those two former Falcons guys. I don't know. I just kind of thought that was interesting that like Alford's still playing well, like especially after some injuries, like he's always been a solid technician, but I don't know. I just didn't really see him being the leader of like the most surprising secondary of the year. For <laughs> me. So um, Arizona's just solid, man. And I think that, some of it is like, I don't know why people are so skeptical, but they probably have the coach of the year. If it's not Bill Belichick, it's Cliff Kingsbury. They might have the league MVP and Kyler Murray. They've overcome the J.J. Watt injury. Like, 
at some point, it's just like this team's really good. Like they are deservedly the best team in the NFL to this point in the season. And I mean, I think that they probably deserve more credit than two and a half points against the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you I, hit on my next question, Kyler, you know, he didn't look completely back. I think he struggled a little in, in the rain last week, but his legs look completely healthy after missing a month. Does he still have a chance to get in the MVP race? Do you think he could possibly win it even though he missed all those games? He he can, but he definitely has to finish really strong, leave no doubt. Like, you know, even in the win against the Bears, I believe it was last week, you know, it was kind of a pedestrian uh, performance. He did run for like a touchdown or so, mm-hmm. but it wasn't anything that was just like, oh, my goodness, Kyler Murray is back, you know, and for him to get back in that MVP conversation, he's going to have to have those type of uh, games and not just, you know, regular games. Like He's going to have to do it on a big stage when everybody's watching. I don't know how many more game primetime games the Arizona Cardinals have, but if they do have some down the stretch, that would definitely help, you know, plead a case for him to be that guy. Well, this is one of them. This is, this is his yeah. Island game against so, the second best team in the NFC West. So this is the Yeah, showcase. this is the game where they're, they're going to have to see it. Another game that would have been big was him taking down Green Bay and obviously threw an interception on that last play. But if he can come out and have a huge game where everybody's just like, oh my goodness, They'll forget about those games he missed and just say, you know, what, the best record in the NFL, they got the best quarterback, they're playing at a high level, they're cooking, they're hitting on all cylinders. Give this guy the league MVP regardless of if, you know, he missed a few games. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, go yeah, ahead. Just, to, just to pile on there, if he has a chance, I mean, the argument would be he's first in the league in accuracy and he's first in the league. Um, forgive me for taking, you know, for filtering out Gardner Minshew, you know, the legend. Uh, but first in the league by uh, half of a yard in yards per attempt. So, I mean, just like that statistically, he has been phenomenal. It's just, it's unprecedented to miss a month of the season and be, you know, MVP. But if anyone can do it, he, if he wins this game big, and like Croc said, if he finishes strong, if he would have beaten Green Bay, I almost think it would have been like, yeah, like for sure. But he has a good argument, like as good as you're probably going to see for someone who missed time. Yeah, and the MVP is going to go to a, a guy on a team who is successful. So he's not really going against too much competition right now. And he also leads the league in like, holy shit, how did he do that moments? And I think that, you know, counts for a lot, especially with the, the MVP. I think Brady right now so, is like uh, a betting favorite, if I saw that correctly. Yeah, it's, yeah. my guess would be Brady versus Rodgers versus Kyler is probably the three right now, unless you want to throw Jonathan Taylor in there. Yeah, I, I mean, I would love for Taylor to be in the discussion, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. He, I don't know that he feels more that. like offensive player of the year kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. So, uh, one, hey, real quick, ahead. guys, um, Debo Samuel was at practice today. I don't know how much he was involved in it, but he had his jersey on, had his helmet, and everything. He was moving around, so we'll see if he ends up being able to kind of play in the game. I'm not sure yet, but I'm pretty sure we'll that's find big. out soon. That's big. I know Shanahan puts the most value on those Friday practices. Cause, so that's definitely a good sign for Debo to play. Uh, let's Before we wrap up the Rams-Cardinals, I wanted to talk a little fantasy football real quick. Sony Michelle took over for Daryl Henderson as the starter, even though Henderson was healthy enough to be active. Do you think the Rams should move forward with Sony as the main guy? Should it be running back by committee? Should Henderson go back to running back one? What do you think, Ian? I still prefer Henderson. Um, I, I haven't seen a ton out of Michelle to think that he's a dynamic talent, but I mean, once acres went down, I think by committee, it, it just makes sense for this team. It's not going to, it, it's not as much as their offense as it used to be. 
So for them, it's just kind of staying fresh, showing a little bit different looks. Um, Henderson is good. He's a, he has good vision. He's gotten better, I think, in that scheme. Uh, but he's not someone that's you know you're writing home about. He's not that Todd Gurley type of talent. He's not the Acres type of talent. Um, he's good, but I can understand why Michelle would get the get the nod. Some of it probably comes down to pass protection, comes down to like the details, and maybe he's just crushing it, right? Like he might just be crushing it in the film room. Um, and so maybe that's like a trust issue there too. If you're trying to support Stafford getting back on track a little bit, I think that could come into it. Um, I'm more of a Henderson guy, but I think Michelle has shown this year that like he's fine. And I would say that Henderson, he's fine. So like they're kind of in like that middle t- uh, territory where as long as both guys are getting an opportunity in favorable situations, like they should both produce fairly well, but they're not going to be stars. Yeah, from what I read, McVeigh is potentially favoring Michelle because he kind of keeps the offense in rhythm, you know, doesn't have as many negative or zero yard plays. He just wants to keep them on schedule. Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes sense. Especially, I mean, like I said, for this team, like they really can't be avoiding, or they, or they really can't be producing yeah. negative plays. Like Stafford can't have that. You got to keep him in a short yardage, play action deep. Like he'll thrive with that. He's not going to be thriving in that in that situation where he's throwing yeah. 13. The, the crazy thing is he's supposed to be able to overcome that, right? Like he's supposed to be able to overcome some of those situations where it's not as ideal. You know, that's why you go and you trade you know, two first round picks away for an aging quarterback because, well, he does have this talent. He does have this ability. And if I'm going to go and do that, I'm going to do it for a quarterback that can potentially, you know, win even in situations that aren't ideal. So right now, okay, the running back trying to figure it out, losing Cam Akers was a huge blow. But Matthew Stafford, you got to figure it out. We're giving you guys, you got weapons, you got Cooper Cub. Okay, we went and got Odell because, you know, you have wizards that went down. You know, which went and try to get a running back for. I mean, like you have to figure it out. He has to be able to win, even if he's behind the sticks a little bit early and down. Yeah, I think there was, you know, obviously a leap of faith when you trade for a guy like that. But they, I think everyone thought, you know, this was Detroit. You know, his bad coach and everything. Once he gets McVeigh tutelage and everything, he's going to fix all his mistakes. But he's really just the same guy from Detroit. He's inconsistent. The hot streaks look hot, and the cold streaks looks cold. So. It just he hasn't made that leap that everyone's expecting. And McVeigh, you know, he sticks with what he does. And so it's just the creativity isn't there either. So it's it's gotta be frustrating. Uh before that, so I didn't make my pick. I've got the cards covering thirty one to twenty eight. Any uh, any last thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think yeah. Right, that's good. All right. Yeah, no, I would, ahead, say, yeah. I would say similar. Yeah, I mean, probably say like 20, 27, 20. I, I like that that range. I mean, it'll be a good game. I, I hope the Rams come out and play an amazing game and really push the Cardinals. I'd love to see like this to be one of those all-time, you know, primetime games. Um, the Rams really just got to step up. I mean, their, their stars got to be superstars. Yeah, we deserve it after yesterday's Laugh Fest. That actually turned into a pretty good game anyways, but more prime, good primetime games. Uh, that wraps it up for our five-game preview. Let's open it up to questions now from the call-in listeners. Who's got a question? All right. Chase, what's up? Hey, guys. Um, I think my biggest question um, – for this weekend is just w- what sort of Giants team are we going to get? Obviously, it's quarterback dependent, but um, is there any any <laughs> hope that, that they can get this win if uh, if 
doesn't sound like Daniel Jones is going to play. So I think with the back of quarterback, it's uh, slim to none. Uh, insert the dumb and dumber meme. You're saying there's a chance. But uh, I expect uh, I expect Herbert to keep his hot streak going and to uh, to you know beat down the Giants. What a, we previewed it earlier, but do you guys have any Crocker Ian have anything else? Do do the Giants have any chance? I, I mean, we're the the chances of winning is kind of slim to none. I would assume, right? I mean, in NFL, I guess anything can happen, but. I wouldn't bet on them. When, like, if somebody's talking about money line, no way. Now, if you think that maybe they can keep it closer than the <laughs> spread, which is 10, I think you have an argument for that just because their defense has been able to keep them in games. Perfect. One more. Um, you guys are talking MVP and yeah, you're talking the Rams, but no one brought up Cooper Cup. Is there just no chance a receiver can win this award? That's It's very fair, but I, I've heard a bit of noise about him, and I, I mean – He's having a hell of a year and could have a really big day on Sunday. So is there a chance that he could sneak into that? To me, it's just a QB award. He needs to have, like, the greatest wide receiver season ever. It's got to have to be, like, an outlier thing, kind of like how uh, uh, the Alabama receiver won the Heisman just in a – and a, Devontae Smith just in a, a weird kind of crazy year. Because if, you know, if you're giving it to the receiver, why wouldn't you just give it to the quarterback, right? What do you, Ian, Eric, what do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah, no, I yeah, agree. No, I'm with you. He should. Like, he's just a great player. And he's making that offense run. He's more valuable, I think, than, you know, most receivers to their team. Not Maybe not all. Like, Justin Jefferson, I'd probably argue he's just as valuable, too. It's just skewed. It, it just sucks. Like, uh, Lance mentioned it earlier, but, like, Jonathan Taylor probably gets Offensive Player of the Year even though he could justifiably be MVP too. Like, I don't really know the difference between the two. Like I get the difference, but like, I don't know the difference. I think cup is in that same boat where it's like, yeah, he might be offensive player of the year, but for some reason he doesn't get MVP hype. Um, some good props out there though, for him finishing the season as a leading receiver and leading receiving touchdown scorer too, if you're interested. Perfect. Thank you. Right. Who else? I see a bunch of listeners in here. Somebody asked us a question. Come on. Don't be scared. All right. I guess everyone's scared. Uh, that <laughs> will do it for our third episode. Thanks to everybody for tuning in on Colin. Make sure to tune in every week to Colin as we continue to expand the podcast. Uh, follow Lines on Twitter at Lines and on Instagram at Lines underscore sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Casually Ginger. Uh, Ian, what do you want to plug? Um, at NFL Film Study on uh, on Twitter. And yeah, I mean, we got content coming all the time. So thanks for listening. Yep. Read, read everything Ian writes on Lines.com. It's great stuff. Crocky, what do you want to plug? Yeah, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. I have one of those like link tree things. So you can click on that. And everywhere I have stuff I'm putting out, you can find it there. Also, make sure that you tune into, you know, the Lions Sports YouTube channel and watch some of the videos I'm putting out for these over-unders on uh, wide receiver defensive back matchups each week.